So we are going to uh, take a break from any sort of sermon series today, and we're just going to spend some time giving thanks to moms. And we're also going to give thanks to what God's been doing at Peace as we look towards the future of our children's ministry here at Peace Church. We believe that moms are called to invest heavily into their kids, and we believe as a church we're called to invest heavily in our kids. And since this church was birthed over 55 years ago, we have always had a passion and a commitment to children's ministry, and this will continue into the next 55 years and beyond. Amen? Amen. Amen. As we look at the next season of life here at Peace Church, we are asking a very simple question. How are we going to respond? How are we we going to respond to our growing church? How are we going to respond to the changing dynamics of the culture around us? So let me be clear on a couple things. Our message will not change. We are going to continue to preach the same gospel that Jesus Christ preached. We're going to continue to preach his message. Our calling, yeah, amen. Our calling remains the same. We want to remain committed to coming alongside parents and encouraging them to live into their calling, to be their child's primary influence and primary discipler. But at times, our programming structure may adjust. Ministry to to children for Peace Church is not just a deep love and a deep passion for us. It's something that we see the critical importance of. 63% of Christians in America, they say that they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They became Christians before the age of 15. 63% of us were already Christians by age 15. So we see an incredible importance in that age range up until 14, then we're going to continue to invest in that. So as we today, as we look at the mom's role in a child's life, and as we look at the church's role in a child's life, there's a great little passage where these two intersect, and it is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. I do encourage you to turn there now. As we just take a break between a couple sermon series, we're just going to focus on this passage today. And for context, as you're turning there, this letter was not written by Timothy. It was written to Timothy. It's at least the second one that Timothy received from the Apostle Paul. And so for context... Paul writes this letter to Timothy, his young protege. And Paul is nearing the end of his life. And he's writing to give uh, Timothy some final encouragement and exhortation as Timothy faces a life of ministry without Paul to lead and guide and mentor him. So we're going to read these three verses together um, as we find some hope and some direction for us today. If you have your Bible, I do hope you have it open. If you don't, that's okay. We're going to have it up on the screen. But either way, Would you please hear these words, the word of the Lord, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. Paul writes this to Timothy. says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This is God's word, everyone. Let's pray, and then let's get to it. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, we thank you that you have loved your church 
And you have given us your word that we, that we may be guided by these truths. So would you please open our hearts and our minds to the truth of your word for your glory. We pray this for our joy. And we pray this for the good of our neighbor. And Lord, on this day, we also pray and give thanks for the mothers, the grandmothers, and the spiritual moms among us. And Lord, we do want to take a moment. We pray for those women in the house who have prayed for and longed to be a mom, but that door has not yet been opened. And so we ask, Lord, that you would be with those wonderful women today. Lord, I want to say thank you for all the ways that I see the women of this church pouring into and providing that spiritual motherhood to the children in our congregation. And so, Lord, we do thank you. We thank you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So let me ask by, uh, let me start off by asking this question. Who here is just a little nervous for the world that our kids are growing up in? Okay, most of us. Every generation has had this concern, but I will say I do think things are different now. In the history of the world, we are seeing things happen on a truly global scale that I don't think humans prior to this generation have truly seen. I mean, it was only a hundred years ago that the world entered its first truly world war. We are only one generation into the world being connected on a truly global scale thanks to the internet. The first web page didn't launch until 1991. Google launched in 1998. Facebook in 2005. The first iPhone didn't come around to 2007. How, how as a culture could we even begin to say we have our minds wrapped around all this stuff? It has just happened so fast, so quickly. There is not one person alive who I think can truly say they're an expert on these matters. It's just too new. We are all learning. We're all adapting. We're all trying to figure this out. And I will say things are different now. I say truly for the first time, we as parents, we don't know what it's like for our kids. I don't know what it's like to be a middle schooler having to deal with social media in this world. I don't know what it's like to be a high schooler and having been so connected with a, with a smartphone. We don't know. I say things are different now. And so as a church, we're doubling down on our commitment to, in, to invest in and to disciple the next generation. We don't look at the investment we make into the lives, into the ministries for our children, and then sit there and criticize it because it's quote-unquote inward-focused. Children's ministry is not inward-focused. It's family-focused. It's generational-focused. It is future-focused. It is preparing our kids for a future that we all just said that we fear. So you better believe that me as the lead pastor, I am very concerned to make sure that our kids have a well-prepped, well-crafted, well-staffed, well-resourced, well-supported ministry. I'm more concerned about that than many other things that people would like our church to be about. At Peace Church, we love children's ministry. It's not the only thing we do, but it is a ginormous investment for us. And if you don't like that, then you are welcome to come anytime you want, but I don't think you're going to be happy here when you see the investment that we make, the great sacrificial investment that we make into the next generation. And so even more than stellar programming, which I want us to be doing, but even more than that, we know that our kids need healthy families to grow up in. And that is why we see children's ministry as an extension 
of a larger call for us as a church to invest in family ministry. So again, if you look at the heart and the investment of our church into children's ministry and you want to disregard it as quote unquote inward focused, we love you, but you're probably not going to be happy finding this as your church home. And so the passage that we're going to look at today, I think it does help to feed and inform and shape our approach. So without further delay, let's jump in and let's walk through our passage together. Let's go back to verse five. Paul writes, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. Great little verse here, so much here, but I think one of the things that we pick up is this idea that discipleship is generational and mothers are impactful. Our author here, Paul, the greatest church planter the world has ever known, chooses a successor in Timothy who was discipled by his grandmother and his mother. Moms, if you've been around Peace Church any length of time, you know that we place a high value and we see the critical importance of the father in the role of the home. But do not underestimate your immense, eternal, spiritual impact. The Bible gives you enormous weight into the lives of your kids. You are raising your grandkids' parents. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 6 that we are not to forsake our mother's teachings. The Bible assumes that mothers will be teaching their kids. And so we have a need for godly mothers. So let's talk about the mother's role. One of the most profound writings in all of scripture that deals with a godly woman is Proverbs 31. The whole chapter outlines these amazing qualities of what a godly wife and a godly woman is. That a godly woman is wise. She is hardworking. She cares for her husband. She takes care of her kids. She makes good investments. She cares for the poor. She has strength and dignity. She's a woman who commands respect. And all the while, we read that these are the teachings of what a godly woman is. I think sometimes we forget that this teaching itself comes from a godly woman. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 1 says this. The words of King Lemuel an oracle that his mother taught him. And then he goes on to list what an amazing godly woman is, a picture that his mother taught him. Part of a mother's role is to teach her children what a godly woman is so that their daughters will know what to be and their sons will know what to look for. And if you think a godly woman is a barefoot baby-making machine, you have not read the Bible. Proverbs 31 tells us that a godly woman is a woman of immense respect and she is an inspiring person. Godly mothers, as we see in our passage, they pass on the faith. Paul sees Timothy's faith, a faith in Jesus Christ, in the risen Lord that his grandma and his mom taught him about. And so this is why we see Paul say this to Timothy. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I love this balance that we see here between personal responsibility, which our world is quickly forgetting, and this idea that what Timothy has, he didn't earn, but he received through the grace of God and through the prayer of another. And so in this, we see that discipleship is personal, but churches are critical. The discipling of our kids is a parent's job first. We affirm this as a church. 
And part of discipling kids is teaching them to own the faith for themselves. Yes, at Peace Church, we believe in a covenant flow that God works through the family and through generations as the faith is passed down. But we need to be telling our kids that yes, you are part of the family faith, but we need to show them and teach them and train them and encourage them that they need to make this faith their own. They need to embrace it for themselves. I remind you to fan into flame, Timothy, the gift of God. And so discipleship is personal, but churches are critical. Yes, we need to take the responsibility upon yourself, upon ourselves, to fan into flame the gift of God for his glory. But we should not forget that you are meant to have the church around you, to lay hands on you and to pray for you and to commission you and to encourage you to pray for you during this, which is, which is why we have a need for gospel churches. So let's talk about peace's future. The programming structure that I'm going to outline today, specifically for just our children's ministry this morning, for some people here, it's going to feel like a big change. For other people, you probably won't notice much different. But whether or not you have the history at Peace Church to see the changes, or maybe you're just hearing vision I want everyone to know a few things. Let's just get everyone on the same page. Number one, we will always seek to do what is glorifying to God and not of ourselves. We will always seek to do ministry that is reflective of our values and of our calling. And as a church, we are always going to be willing to make the changes necessary so that our ministry is most effective given the changing landscape of our culture, the different dynamics of our growing church, in light of our calling to reach more people with the gospel. And this is not because we're trying to minimize the word of God. This is because we're trying to maximize the word of God. We are not called to maintain the status quo. We're called to overcome the gates of hell. And that doesn't happen by trying to hold on to the past, but by holding on to the Holy Spirit as he leads us into the future. So now that you know a bit of our heartbeat, let's talk about our children's ministry program moving forward. Here's some changes that you all need to be aware of. At the end of the month, coming on Sunday, May 30th, that Sunday, we will move to two morning services with programming available for, uh, through first grade. And I, when I say through first grade, if you've got kids in that age, age range, you may know uh, what do you mean by first grade. So let me clarify. Uh, at Peace Church, whatever grade your children will be in in the fall, that's what we kind of categorize them as over the summer. So if your child's going into first grade, that's what we're talking about. Like I, like my son Jed's going into first grade. So we're going to have programming through first grade starting on May 30th as we look at two morning services. And let me just say this. Could we host three services at peace? Yeah, 100%. Uh, but we feel like we just need to maybe just try to do a little bit just to, to take a breather because our children's ministry program is so extensive. It takes so many volunteers. It takes so much logistics. We just want to give our church and our people somewhat of a reprieve, somewhat of a little bit of a sabbatical over the summer, because we're going to launch big in the fall. And so we want people to be rested up over the summer, which I'm going to get to in a second. So starting May 30th, this will last from Memorial Day through Labor Day. That following Sunday, starting Sunday, September 12th, we will return in force to our fall mode programming. We'll have three morning services. We will return to three morning services uh, at 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. And let me just say, if our church explodes and we can't do two services, we will adapt midstream and do what we need to do. 
But the, right now, the plan is September 12th, we will return to fall mode, our fall mode, three services like we are right now, 8.30, 9.30, and 11 a.m. We're going to have Peace Kids, that's what we call our children's ministry programming on Sunday mornings, through fourth grade, available at all the services. And we're going to introduce a new curriculum this year called New City Catechism. Now, New City Catechism, what it does is it takes the best of like the Belgic Confession, the best of the Heidelberg, the best of the Westminster, and it, and it puts it all into one in a really engaging way for, for kids nowadays. I'm really excited about this because there's a very strong uh, way and, and, um, and material for us to partner with parents so that what we're teaching can be echoed and can be taught at home as well. And let me just say this. If you just heard the word catechism, <laughs> and you rolled your eyes, let me ask you, do you think the world has gotten better since the church abandoned catechism? I think this program uh, is going to be so strong and so good for our kids. This isn't your rote, stay after church and memorize some verse that you'll forget. This is an engaging way to bring the truth of the scriptures and the love of God in fresh ways to our, new, to our new generation. And I'm very, very excited about that. I'm excited for this to launch in the fall. So that's what Sunday mornings will look like starting September 12th. Our Sunday nights. Sunday nights will be our dedicated night for student ministries. This happens between 5.30 and 7 p.m. This year, we're going to be consolidating some ministries, and we're going to be launching a new middle school ministry. This will be 6th to 8th grade. That happens in the venue downstairs. Our high schoolers, if you weren't aware, uh, they outgrew the venue this year. They've been meeting actually up here on Sunday nights. And between these two ministries, between our middle school and our high school ministry, I just want you to know they use every single square foot of this space on Sunday nights. Yeah, it is amazing. Literally, even the pastor's offices, we give up our offices on Sunday nights. Ooh, big sacrifice. We give up our offices <laughs> on Sunday nights so that high school small groups can happen in those rooms. And it is literally every square foot of this place. I know if you don't have kids in this age, and I know with three services and with us kind of being split up, it's hard to see what God's doing here. Let me just tell you, it is enormous. And I am very thankful that we are going to be making necessary changes to make, to make accommodations so that our student ministries now have the entire campus to grow into on these nights. If you are not aware, let me just clarify. Our church is now too big to fit everybody on this campus at one time. And that goes for our student and children and uh, adult programming as well. So we are, this year, we're just going to be giving Sunday nights to students because it's healthy to give them room to grow into. And to be honest, they're not that far away from out maxing out this facility. So middle school ministry, 6th to 8th. High school ministry will continue. It's going to be awesome, powerful nights as we look at the fall programming. So many of you may, might be like, well, what about children's ministry? Our children's ministry normally meets on Sunday nights. A, we don't have the room for students and children to both be in this facility and this, at the same time. So we're going to be looking to Wednesday nights to launch our children's ministry. Currently, we've met for children's ministry every other Wednesday nights. Starting this fall, we're going to have children's programming every single Wednesday night. We have bold boys and brave girls on those nights. First to fifth grade for each of those respective genders. And bold boys, we, treat, we teach men 
how to be, we teach young boys what a picture of godly manhood looks like as they are taught by godly men. And the same goes for our young gals. We teach them the biblical truth of of how women in the Lord are strong and dignified and composed and they command respect. And they're going to be taught that by women who are exemplifying all of that. And so I'm excited that these ministries are going to double down and we're going to look at consolidating ministries so that we can have even more powerful ministries with these programs coming this fall. And so while this streamlined approach does allow us to zero in between children's ministry through fifth grade and through student ministry, middle school on up, we know that um, this comes with some, some important decisions that we've made. Part of the reason that we want to make this clear line between students and children is because we just want to make sure that they are in the most age-appropriate setting as possible as they get teaching from the Word of God by godly people. But our vision for children's ministry is not just to produce amazing programming. I want to do that 100%. But our vision is to be a true support for parents in their call to raise their children in the knowledge of the Lord. So we will be at some point in the fall returning to offering classes and seminars for parents as we walk alongside and have, and have conversations together about how we're going to raise our kids. So here's a couple, um, couple discussions that we'll be having at the parent level uh, come this fall. We're going to be having a discussion called Truth of the Matter, an honest discussion about teens and technology. Oh yeah, we're going to have that conversation. We're going to talk with parents, uh, specifically parents of younger kids, as we look at six ways that Satan snatches the heart of your children and how we respond to that. And of course, as a church, we are going to be looking at hosting another parenting conference at some point in the future. So yes, our pursuit to strengthen our ministries and our approach this year, as I said, come, came with some very weighty and important conversations and weighty important decisions. And so it is with much appreciation and yes, a little bit of godly mourning that we are retiring two of our programming. We are going to be letting fifth and sixth grade youth group and letting Caraway Street Ministry become part of Peace's powerful past. We know that those ministries have played a key part in making us the great church that we are. But I would be remiss if I didn't make mention of something. We are, by God's grace, a growing and a healthy church. We're not perfect, not claiming that, but we're growing and we're healthy. But Peace Church, our history If you've been around with us for some time, you know that our history is not without immense heartache. During a time when Peace Church was in its darkest times, I truly believe that it was Caraway Street Ministry that helped to hold this church together and to secure the future that we are now thriving in. Yes, King Jesus is the king of this church. Yes, he is the one in the palm of his hand that held us together, but I believe it was Caraway Street Ministry was the avenue that he used to do this. So thank you, Caraway Ministry. Thank you, Caraway Street. You've done so much for us. We are going to be taking the best of Caraway and the best of the gospel-rich teaching of fifth and sixth grade youth group, and we're going to be incorporating those into the strength of our student and children's ministry moving forward. Because Peace Church, we want to see the faith in Jesus passed on for generations of kingdom impact. We want our children to fan into flame the gift that God has given them. 
Paul here is referring to the gift of the spiritual gift, the spiritual gift that we are given by the Holy Spirit to empower our life and our ministry and to build the church. You see, every believer, every believer in Jesus Christ has been given at least one spiritual gift to be used in their lives for God's glory and for the building of his church. And there is a whole range of spiritual gifts from which we are given. Gifts of wisdom, faith, prophecy, healing, giving, discernment, helps, administration. There are many ways that God equips his people to build his church. But the question for you is, what gift have you been given and how are you using it? You may be asking me, well, how do I find out what my gift is? Well, A, you could take one of a thousand tests online or you could ask a believer who you trust, what gifts do you see in me? You could get more connected with your church. And our leaders and fellow congregation members will help share what they see in you. They'll help discern that. But either way, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you should know what your spiritual gift is or gifts, and you should be knowing how you are using them so that you can take the gift that God has given you and you can fan it into flame because we have been given a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Power, love, and self-control. Power, love, and self-control. Who's got a mom who shows those three qualities? Make sure you show her and tell her that today. God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. What we see here is that discipleship is spiritual, yet the qualities are evident. Just because it's spiritual doesn't mean it's unseen. When God gives us this spirit, it's so that it can be seen. Moms, and by extensions, parents, you are to be kind to your kids, but you're not to be their friend. You are meant to be their parents, to keep them accountable as you demonstrate power, love, and self-control. We need to keep them accountable. This is why we have a need for good accountability. So let's talk about your place, your place. Parents, we need to show our kids that accountability is a good part of life. Who here in their life is willing, is willing to say that you need accountability? Yeah, I need accountability. We all need accountability. That's how we grow. I'm going to ask you right now, like, who's keeping you accountable? If you can't tell me who's keeping you accountable, I dare guess that you're actually not being discipled. And that's a dangerous place for any Christian to be. We need to be in a place where someone's keeping us accountable. And from our earliest days, our parents should be showing us that that is a good thing to have in our lives. Moms, show your kids what good accountability looks like. Be kind to them, but they don't need you to be their friend. They need you to be your mo their mom. Dad's same goes for you. This is why I love the volunteers of this church who invest so sacrificially into the lives of our kids. This is why I think our volunteer team here at Peace Church, we have the best on the block. If you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Some of you just said amen to yourself because I see so many of you who serve, which is awesome. 
I love to see our bold boys leaders and our brave girls leaders and our peace kids teachers just investing into our kids. You know what I see when I see that? I see the spirit moving. I see the spirit alive in our church as he uses people to raise up the next generation. It is a beautiful picture. Don't miss your opportunity to be a part of it. We invest in the next generation. We partner with parents as we give the next generation the accountability that they need, which is part of good discipleship. And we give them accountability because as a church, that is our place. It's our place to give each other accountability, to be a spiritual family that's investing in each other and investing in our kids as we build them up. So let me just say this. When we allow our kids and our students to not be plugged in and connected to our church. We as a church, we're missing out on our call to partner with you in raising the next generation. We're missing out on our chance to come alongside you in your role as a parent. So if there's a reason why your kids aren't involved in the ministries here, I would encourage you to reach out to me or Pastor Travis and let's talk about what what the hurdle is and how we can get around it. Because we want to be a part of your lives. We want you to be part of the life of the church. We want to see this continue for God's glory. So where is your place? It's to be discipling someone. It's to be discipling others. And it's to be discipled yourself. Maybe it's behind the scenes. Maybe it's on the front lines with our kids. But either way, your place is being invested in your church. Being held accountable in love by your church as we grow and serve together with the spirit that God's given us. A spirit marked by the things of God, not by the things of this world. A spirit of power, not of dominance like the world. A spirit of love, not of lust like our culture. And a spirit of self-control, not self-satisfying like our society. We are of the spirit, not of the world. Paul says in Verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Grandmothers, you're pretty cool in my book. And I'm pretty sure you're pretty cool in your grandchildren's book too. Moms, I said it before, I'll say it again. Teach your kids and pass on the faith. You're raising your grandkids, future parents. Moms and grandmoms, you have a holy role, ordained by God to do what only mothers can do. And know that as a church, we are here to come alongside you in your calling. We're here to minister to you and alongside you as we both minister to your kids. And as we move into the future, as a church, this will not change. Ministry to kids has been our past and it will be our future.